Hi, this is Sean Kennedy. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of the American Journal of Nursing, and I'm very pleased to be at the Emergency Nurses Association Conference in Austin, Texas. Uh, ENA is having their annual meeting, and from all reports, it's a uh, sold-out meeting. And I'm here talking with um, the President of the Emergency Nurse Association, Patty Kunz-Howard. Uh, welcome, Patty. Welcome to you as well. We're very glad to have you here. So I have to say that um, I was very impressed in finding out this is your second stint as being the president. Is that correct? It is correct. I, it is my second time to be president. And what was your first time? When did you do that? 2005. And there was an interruption there? Someone else took it and then you took it again? Or well, there have been multiple presidents. Mo it's an annual term. Annual. Okay. So there have been many presidents in between. Okay. And um, what do you think motivated your second presidency, both on your behalf and then on the association behalf? So in terms of um, why I came back to the board is we were having some some challenges and so I felt like I had something to offer and so I came back to the board. And then initially, in all honesty, I decided I would run for president-elect because it was going to be an unopposed race. And I don't think there should ever be an unopposed race. Interestingly enough, it ended up being that three of us ran and, you know, I believe all things work out the way they're supposed to, and I was the one that was elected. I was a little surprised because I really didn't think I would be elected a second time, but I was certainly fine with it. I never would have said I would run if I didn't intend to follow through with those activities. And um, I've been very pleased with the work we've accomplished this year. Mm -hmm. So um, before we get into ENA's uh, priorities and what you've done with ENA this year, uh, and even talking about your past. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are today. So my background is um, I've been a nurse for 41 years this year, which is a long time. I initially, um, honestly, went to the ICU out about after about three months as a new graduate on a floor, which was really unusual back then. In fact, when I got out of nursing school, you took whatever job you were given, and I made $5.35 an hour. I remember those things, which is shocking. And so I stayed in the ICU and then moved from where I went to nursing school in West Virginia back to Lexington and took a job at the University of Kentucky. And then, as we often do when we're young, I got married and had a child. Well, I no longer wanted to work day-night rotations because I had a young child, but all I knew was ICU nursing. And so they said, well, you have to work at least two shifts. And I said, well, you know, I'm happy to do that. I'll work days and evenings, and then you have to work in two areas. And I said, well, I don't know how to do anything else. And they said, well, if you're an ICU nurse, you can be an emergency nurse. <laughs> well, I was young and not very smart, and I said, okay. So they took me down there to orient me to the emergency department, and I fell in love with it and I never have really looked back. I went back to the ICU for two years back in the early 90s when um, they eliminated clinical nurse specialists. Um, there was one of those points in time when if you weren't a direct care provider or a manager that you uh, didn't have a role in the hospital setting. And so I left my CNS role and was the director of two of the ICUs at the facility I was working at at that time. And then in about two and a half years, they said, you know, I, we really need you to go to the emergency department. That director's leaving and we need you to go back there. I couldn't have been happier. Mm -hmm. So I went back to the emergency department, ultimately left that facility to get a PhD and was only going to work just very minimally just to maintain my certifications. And the University of Kentucky talked me into taking a half-time staff development job and ultimately as I got my coursework done they said well you know what job would you like and I said well I would love to be the nurse researcher for the emergency department and do staff development so I wrote that job description and did that for a little while till we got a new director who said I need you to be my operations manager 
I said, I don't really want to go back to management. I like this. She said, no, I need you to be my operations manager. So I did that for several years and actually about seven or eight. And then she left the university and I agreed to be the director as an interim. And then guess what? <laughs> Here we are. I'm the enterprise director for emergency services at the Univers University of Kentucky Healthcare, where I oversee um, operations for a large academic emergency department, both adult and pediatric, and then a small community emergency department and a ground-based ambulance service. Wow. And I also have, for 29 years, been the uh, EMS educator at Lexington Division of Fire and EMS. So not only are you still doing education, but you are a manager. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm the director for about 400 staff, yes. Yeah. So, well, obviously you love it. I do love it. And so blessed. somebody who talked you into doing these things knew that you'd probably love it and obviously very good that you've continued to do this. Um, so tell me, in terms of ENA, um, uh, there's certainly a lot in the press and we all know about uh, the workplace environment and increasing violence in hospitals, but especially ER, because that's where people are coming in, emotions are high, they don't, and, and it's entree right into the, into the hospital system. Um, ENA has done some work, and I know there's now the campaign on uh, Stop ED Violence. Is it Stop ED Violence? Am I saying no that? Silence on ED Violence. No Silence on ED Violence. And um, I know other organizations, the American Association of Critical Care uh, Nurses, has been uh, addressing workplace violence, as has ANA and, and most of the groups. So in terms of ENA's priorities, is this the big priority, or is it just one of several others that are working on? I think it's one of our primary initiatives. We have we have several mm -hmm. other things that we've been very involved in. Obviously, the opioid crisis, behavioral health, um, firearm safety. Those are really the key big initiatives, as well as being the obviously global resource for emergency nursing. But workplace violence is really a, a significant challenge for us across not just the country but around the world in emergency departments but really for us and in fact it was part of my platform was around injury prevention specifically workplace violence because I am sort of an injury prevention person by history and training and so I really was very focused on workplace violence and ENA was as well so it's a really good um, there's a really good synergy between ENA's priorities and mine as well and so we've done a lot of work around that and I couldn't have been more pleased to see us launch this collaborative with the American College of Emergency Physicians around no silence on ED violence because one of the biggest challenges for workplace violence in general is we don't know the true numbers and it's been estimated that every emergency nurse has some form of workplace violence every shift. Mind you, most of those are verbal assaults, but it's still not okay. Mm -hmm. And until every hospital around the world has a zero tolerance for that type of behavior, it's never going to stop. Many facilities do, but they're not as articulate or as out there as having a poster up that says, we have zero tolerance and you will be removed from our facility if you mistreat our staff. That is that is where mm -hmm. we need to be. Mm -hmm. And you know, the legislation um, that is in Washington has moved some, and we saw really good support for what we wanted to do from a legislative standpoint when we were at our day on the Hill in May. But we still don't have that that legislation in a form that's been enacted that can really help us advance that cause because we have to, number one, understand the magnitude, and number two, it has to stop. Mm -hmm. You know, to stop something, you have to understand the incidents. You can't just go out there and make a strategy without it. And so we really need everybody to report. Every nurse has to report every event. And then when, pa when patients or other people that perpetrate this workplace violence do this, 
they need to be prosecuted as appropriate. And that's not always easy to do. It can be very difficult for the nurse who's trying to work clinically to show up for court dates, to go downtown to complete the appropriate documents. It's not easy to actually follow through on having someone that does harm to a nurse or another healthcare professional held liable for their actions. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a little bit of controversy I've seen in terms of uh, some people pushing back on uh, prosecution that um, we actually had somebody write a piece for us that caused a lot of controversy among the reviewers in terms of a nurse should just pick up the phone and call um, the local police department, call 911 if the hospital doesn't have something in place. And people felt, well, no, you have to go up the chain of command. And and they were always extenuating circumstances in terms of, you know, is the patient under the influence of drugs or something. So what what when do you think those type of uh, immediate actions would be warranted if any, if at any time. So I think you always report and you do, you do want to follow your appropriate chain of command, but you also want to involve law enforcement as appropriate. Now I'm not saying if someone calls me a bad name, I'm going to call law enforcement, but if I sustain an injury that is a <clears throat> physical injury, then absolutely it needs to be prosecuted. If they, if there is terroristic threatening, which is only verbal, that still needs to be reported and needs to be prosecuted. Are there times there are extenuating circumstances where patients don't know how they're behaving? Absolutely. But are there also just patients that are mean? Absolutely. And I think there's a difference in those two settings. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't report it. You mm -hmm. still report it when the patient is either clinically so sick that they can't be held responsible for their behavior, whether it's from intentional or unintentional means. Um, that That is different than the person who is not happy, acts out, is just not plain and simple nice. I mean, mm -hmm. there are not nice people in this world. Mm -hmm. So I do think that that is different, but it still needs to be reported because we have to understand what happens. And the philosophy that, oh, you, you should just take that as part of being an emergency nurse is not okay. Right, right. Um, the What about the suicide? And suicide in nurses is just coming to the fore in terms of, again, we don't have the data uh, on that. Is that also part of the whole violence or workplace uh, environment uh, initiative? So it's not part of necessarily the workplace violence initiative. We actually just had um, a resolution on our General Assembly floor about suicide and PTSD and emergency nurses. And so I think we really are just really starting to be able to recognize the um, significance of that challenge as well. Mm. You know, honestly, suicide nurses is not something in general, much less emergency nurses, that has really been talked about. And so some of the lingering effects of some of the circumstances and situations they've been in, some of the second victim types of problems that we mm -hmm. see where people don't get support for lots of reasons and not always because the support wasn't offered, but because it wasn't accepted. Um, I think is a real concern for us, and we have to pay close attention to that. And I'll be very interested to see sort of how the outcome of that resolution mm -hmm. that we saw on our General Assembly floor goes forward. Mm -hmm. Has the uh, now you live in t uh, ENA is here in Texas. Um, ENA in Schaumburg, Illinois. I mean, the, the meeting is here in Texas, yes. and of course, um, uh, you know, Texas being a border state is dealing with uh, many issues in terms of migrants coming in, and there was a, a thing on the local news as well about this, and and I know we've had nurses who've been uh, volunteering in border facilities. Has ENA taken any position in terms of uh, treatment of migrant workers uh, coming into the country? 
we believe that everyone deserves a right to care and to be treated with dignity and respect. And so to say that we've taken a clear position around migrant patients or migrants in any fashion, we haven't taken a clear position on that because we believe that everyone deserves access to care and treated with dignity and respect. And it doesn't really matter what your circumstances are about how you arrive to our emergency departments. We're going to take care of everybody mm -hmm. in the same way. And I wonder if it's a little bit easier because the emergency rooms have always been operating under MTALA that when you show up, you, you at least get assessed and emergency treatment taken care of. So in one sense, I guess it's a little bit more clear cut for many EDs in that sense. Well, it, it could be, but the rea reality is probably a good 50% of our patients easily, if not higher than that, don't have an emergency condition, which is what MTALA you know, really alludes to. Now, there are many emergency departments that believe that their full exam and full workup is what's needed to make sure there's no emergency condition that exists. So it can be a, you know, it can be a little bit of a, a slippery slope, mm -hmm. if you will, but we're gonna, we just take care of everybody regardless mm -hmm. of ability to pay or how they got there. Mm -hmm. That's just our role mm -hmm. in emergency nursing. Mm -hmm. So um, when does your year finish uh, this time? December 31st. And what's next? for you? Well, I'll be immediate past president next year, so I'll still have that position on the board. And then I don't know what's next for me after that. Um, you know, we'll see. I would imagine I would stay active at the national level mm -hmm. on a committee or something. I really, you know, want to get through next year and kind of see how it goes. I have a 17-month-old granddaughter that takes a lot of my time. Um, but again, I can't imagine that I would ever walk away. I, I feel like... Once um, a nurse. If, well, if I could ever <laughs> give back even one-fourth of what I've been given through my roles and what I've learned and the people I've met through ENA. And being an emergency nurse, I will have made a difference. Mm -hmm. And so I can't imagine ever turning my back on the association or emergency nursing. I will retire one day, just don't know when. <laughs> or the word now that I've heard is preferment. People don't retire. You went to preferment where you do what you want, when you want with the with those whom you prefer to be with. So. Well, that, you know, that's another thought. I, um, I, you know, I don't know the answers to any of those questions today. Yeah. Um, one last thing about ENA. Um, you, uh, from what I, I gather, there's about 44,000 members. Is that correct? That but, is and, correct. And you have many countries, or you have members in other countries, too? We do. In fact, we just had um, a luncheon for international attendees, and there were over 20 countries represented oh, wow. um, at this meeting. And so we did, just as part of our general assembly, or not, I'm sorry, our board activities last week um, approved to translate one of our courses into several different languages. So we do have a very global presence mm -hmm. and we're very focused on maintaining that international focus and really advancing that because emergency nursing is emergency nursing no matter where you are. And so mm -hmm. we want everybody to have the same knowledge and framework and foundation and standards so that patients get the best care that's evidence-based mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. Well, that's excellent. And uh, as I said in the beginning, this was a record-breaking uh, conference uh, this is. year, which is which is nice to hear. And um, next year, uh, you'll be somewhere else. We'll be in Las Vegas, Las Vegas. celebrating ENA's 50th, 50th anniversary. So we would anticipate correct. that we will see even greater numbers next I year bet. because I there's lots in store for that 50th celebration. Oh, I bet. Well, congratulations on your two presidencies, and um, hopefully uh, uh, you'll be next year in Las Vegas participating, as I'm sure, uh, retelling some of the history of ENA. So thank you very much for taking the time. Oh, thank you very much for asking me to. I appreciate it.